welcome back to the Life in Digital podcast. This week, we're joined by Didrik Svensson, CEO and co-founder of Talify. Talify are shaping the world of influencer marketing powered by science. We discussed how advertising is becoming more people-focused and humanized as we move towards values-led partnerships. Didrik shares how in only a few years, influencers will account for the largest job role globally and what that means for the future of brands. We jump straight into this episode, so no introduction from Ed as the guys were busy talking about the results of the Talify values test. I hope you will enjoy. As humans, we're biologically wired to trust and listen to people because it's how we've lived for a couple of hundred thousand mm-hmm. slash billions a year, depends on who you ask. <laughs> About 20 years ago, we got something called websites. We started interacting through people and looking for information, not by people, but actually through websites. And we were never engineered to actually consume from websites or trust websites because who the fuck trusts a website? Mm-hmm. So for a long time, that was kind of the only way you could communicate at scale. Then suddenly influencers came along and we as consumers got the option to either go like, I can listen, I can go to a YouTube reviewer and like watch a review of whatever I'm buying, or I can go to this random website, which might have some, I don't really know, plus it's a website and it's not, it's not a human being. We go to people. Um, and again, when instead of me going to websites, I can just curate my YouTube or Instagram channel, whatever, we go to people. And since we were biologically hardwired to listen to these people, as soon as we can actually start connecting to these people, we just start shutting off other parts because your brain consumes about 283 calories per day, give or take. Does it really? Yeah, mine is less. I don't know. Too much. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, you're just very efficient. Ah, <laughs> um, but it's been like that for hundreds of thousands of years. And your brain is biologically hardwired for minimal effort. Mm-hmm. maximum output. We're lazy creatures. So as much as possible as you can outsource decision-making to other people, which is kind of how we've managed to form societies and living tribes, the more you can outsource, the better. Which means the more I can just follow and trust and rely on other people to make decisions for me, the better I am because the less energy I have to consume. Yeah, decision fatigue is really, really simple. Well, not being made, but I, 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 we all feel decision fatigue. So I, there's rituals and things that we do, so we have to make less decisions. Like I, I always buy just exactly the same clothes and wear the same thing every day because I don't have to think about. Which also probably makes a little bit of sense because in stimulation you're low. Yeah. What is okay? So what does that mean? So stimulation is short version. How excited do you get about trying new things? Yeah. I'm about a nine out of ten on stimulation, which okay. means I go to a restaurant and I see something and I know that I love it. I'll still try something weird and obscure or something new just for the novelty of it. Oh, that's so interesting. So I like going to restaurants and I already know what I'm going to order before I go there because I don't want to have to think about what I'm going to eat. Bingo. I, I, <laughs> I drink certain wine at a certain time of the day. I, like, my habits are so, I do because it's this time of day and it's this thing. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah. So and again, your values test shows that, which is also actually, so did you see his test? Yeah. We just looked at it today. So, so how much one? So, so, yeah. so Karen. No, uh, so again, you in combined that with also you scoring 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 on hedonism? Yeah, 9 out of 10 on hedonism, yeah. yeah. It's the strongest hedonism score I've ever seen, which means you're a man who likes enjoying life, which I applaud you, I applaud yeah. you. Ah. Now, it's actually very interesting because your low stimulation and high on hedonism makes a lot of sense because you know, you care so much about enjoying life and knowing what you want, mm-hmm. which means you stick to your guts. 
I care less about hedonism and more simulation, which means I just keep trying new things because I don't care that much about actually enjoying it. I just enjoy, enjoy the novelty and the stimulation of it. Which are two completely different approaches to consumption and enjoyment. It's funny, so with things like um, a movie, as an example, or uh, a series, I would really like to know what happens because then I can relax and enjoy it. Yeah. So I would say, <laughs> if I know what happens, I will relax and enjoy it. Like I work, I'm such an avid planner. Like, mm -hmm. Where are we doing everything by? Mm -hmm. Okay, now we just do it. Mm -hmm. But if the poor are just doing it, I'm like, no, no, no. we're going to work out like granularly how, yeah. and I can just get on with it. Value. So your personality tests and personality traits, which mm -hmm. can be kind of both negative and positive. Mm -hmm. And all positives are negatives, just kind of vice versa. Yeah, so yeah, but with values, has much more to do about how you deeply value life and how you see situations and kind of the goal you want to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And you just approach everything as you just want to enjoy life, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I just do everything because I just want to try new and experience new things <laughs> and experience as much of it as possible in my own way, which is just a different approach. But actually, knowing this and uh, again, as you said, you actually don't want that much stimulation. You would rather have things planned so you know how it's going to be. The stimulation is for doing. Exactly. Um, but again, then people around you, which either consciously or subconsciously know this, they interact with you in that way, mm -hmm. which means all your interactions with people, at least the people that you know, mm -hmm. becomes in a way which is actually customized to you. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go to the online world today or you go to YouTube, mm -hmm. for instance, They'll just serve you content based on what is kind of popular mm -hmm. from an attention stuff they can make money off, or stuff and demographic information they know about you. So you're living in London, yada yada, and you've clicked these things in the past. Mm -hmm. If they knew and actually started framing and giving you content and the right people and influencers according to actually what you like and value, mm -hmm. suddenly you can actually be connected with people who share your values and people who talk about approach anything from an enjoyment life. Whether that is be a car review or how to create a workplace or how to plan trips to Ibiza or just like mm -hmm. how to book shit. Everyone could talk about things or you could be connected with people who speaks about things and review things through the lens of hedonism where you would go like, we make sense. I feel understood. That's you what feel I understood about when you have great relationships is a sense of, I feel understood because mm -hmm. so much of life which feels jarring is I don't feel understood. So that understanding is so key. I'm interested. So I'd always say that's one of thing that's good. You become understood. And that's what we're kind of trying to bring to influencers or influence in the wider world. It's just help people understand themselves mm -hmm. and to be understood when they go into the world and connect with other people. Mm -hmm. Because that's, that's just a better life. It is. Yeah, it is. And, 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 and you know, if I'm a brand, I want people to understand my brand. And if I'm an influencer, I want people to understand what I'm getting across. And as a consumer, if I feel understood, I'm more likely to buy from them. Yeah, yeah, because so, yeah, with um, yeah. this is a bit away from um, kind of the influencer space, but with um, life choices, with, with behavioural science, one of yeah. my kind of beliefs is if you can understand what your natural way of being is and make decisions aligned to those, mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy life a bit more. Because I think one of the challenges with the modern world is there's so much, there's so many things that people think they should do because of what they're consuming. I should do this. My friends doing that. Um, what's your view on? how people can take something like the, um, the the psychometric test you've created and say, okay, this is this is me, so how do I make decisions in line with me? Because if I'm making decisions in line with me, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna be on a better path. Live a better yeah. So interestingly actually one of uh, there are studies around 
depression and some mm-hmm. of the easiest ways to fall into it mm-hmm. is acting against your values consistently. Yeah. Like, oh, I imagine that is the case. Yeah. It's just kind of, it confuses your brain, it confuses you are, you're kind of going away from your identity. So when people don't feel, they feel lost, it's like, yeah, you're typically an off-known path which is pulling you away from enjoying life. Yeah. The, the, in general, uh, theory about life, but, which mm, most people would uh, agree with, but the more you understand something, the more you can act accordingly. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things, we do personality tests at work, mm-hmm. and typically whenever you, which is the most common type of people trying to do this, and whenever you chat to people who have done it, they go, ah, now I understand why I get in a fight with A, B, or <laughs> yeah. with A. We've learned that. I have this because I'm, I'm ludicrously stupid when it comes to details and planning and things, yeah. and I just want to explore new things yeah, at a high level. Now, if I sit in a room with someone who's the opposite, we'll just look at each other and go, we're actually, th- that person will look at me and like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> and I'll go look at them like, why are we not having fun and exploring these things? Yeah. But knowing them suddenly makes work relationships, which are kind of forced, not chose relation, make a lot more sense. Mm. I did the values test with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. we did it together. And the where we differ, so we're strong overlap on most, which actually most couples are, and then we have a couple of strong outliers, which also most couples have, because there needs to be a little bit of a challenge. And balance, it's interesting. Our misalignment on a couple of key values, which is around security, self-direction, and stimulation, mm-hmm. explain all the times we look at each other when we discuss something, and she goes like, how are you thinking? And I go like, wait, you're thinking what? And it just explains it. And it turns the the puzzle from a question mark into something which is just beautiful, which is differences. Yeah, absolutely. And if you understand that. Yeah. And so you're very strong on self-determination. Yeah. And then very strong on kind of curiosity. I forget what the word you use for that. So that's like, I know where I'm going to go in terms of self-determination and I'm going to try loads of stuff. Yeah. It's creating something like Taylorify. But knowing these things, you can then make career decisions. Like if you're high on security, mm-hmm. Depends on how high and other values, but like you, some parts like actually starting for yourself mm-hmm. is much, much bigger challenge and something you need to think about as opposed to if you score vice versa. Um, so again, if we were to have people to do values tests to help them make career decisions, make personal decisions, understand themselves better, voila, Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm. And obviously because, hey, we need to make money, we're applying this into the world brand product, which Again, all of your choices are based on these values and the worlds of brands are trying to get people to make choices. Just go to people who share values as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to persuade people who you aren't like you to actually go and buy you and then they won't be long-term customers. Absolutely. And Taylor, with, with your customers, um, do you position yourself as an agency or a technology vendor or, or, or an agency powered by technology? What's the kind of the, the, the framing to brands and, um, and new influencers? Good, good question. So uh, we would call ourselves a tech-enabled agency. Yeah. Actually, we just say we're a com- influence company. Yeah. Uh, if we need to put it in buckets, which yeah. someone with self-direction that like to be put in buckets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 we're tech-enabled agencies. What we do would never be able to be done without the deep tech and research and science which we're doing. Yeah. But on the flip side, because people are people and influencers are people, mm-hmm. we still need humans as a way of interacting in an interface layer to actually 
translate the size of what we're giving to the world. Mm -hmm. But um, we've gotten recently to the stage where actually the technology which we're building, we built into tool similar to the test you did. So mm -hmm. actually everyone on the planet can start interacting and using it mm -hmm. as opposed to just a couple of our plants which we currently service through manual project, which doesn't really scale particularly well. Yeah. And what sort of things you notice where, where brands are really having amazing impact with, with influencers and with influence marketing, what, what are the things that you sort of notice? Oh, um, so the themes are, like we know all the usual suspects in the UK, the, the gym sharks of the world, etc. Et yeah. And everyone looks at them like, wow, how did they do what they do? Yeah. They can do what they do because they actually had young people doing this mm -hmm. and they knew that it was okay this is actually these are people and we need to authentically do so if you listen to all the good companies who've done it they'll say authenticity they will say long-term collaborations they will say working with influencers and actually integrating them mm -hmm. all things which are very like relationshipy because they understood the influencers are humans mm -hmm. um, so all the good ones typically have young teams doing it. All mm -hmm. the large corporates trying to do influence marketing and fucking up on a daily basis, typically have older people try to do it. It's not their world. Exactly. Who have a boss who's saying, no, we need to get the people with the maximum amount of followers, not the people who are the most relevant and mm. then it tends to go wrong. And you're able to identify the, the correct uh, brand and influencer match, which I guess is where the campaigns become much more effective. Bingo. Screw top line metrics. Don't to choose an influencer based on how many followers they have or engagement rates. Choose them based on who they are mm -hmm. and how well they match with your brand based on values and personality. Because then the end consumer sees, oh, this feels right. This feels authentic. Ed working together with Notebook Company makes a lot of sense because yeah. Ed likes planning. Notebooks are about planning. They both care about sustainability because this notebook company is sustainably manufactured. So if you do collaboration, highest than it, say an audience and follow review goes, yeah, that makes sense. I'll, I'll actually buy this because I trust Ed and he says this is good. Yeah. I'll buy it. So yeah, again, just matching on those values makes uh, makes sense. And how do you acquire the influencers? How do we, because there's two sides, right? The, the yeah. brand relationships and influencers. So how do you get the relationships with the, with the influencers? Oh, so we actually, well, we don't. Yeah. So we, obviously we need to communicate and get in touch with them. Um, there's two approaches in the world of influencer which you can take, which is one, which is like the traditional, which is like build up a roster or, mm. or a talent of like panel of rosters. No, panel of rosters? Roster? A roster is technically a panel. Anyway, yeah. you build up a pool of talent. Yeah. And you say, oh, we got 20 top talent on our, in our books, or you, we have 5,000, 10,000. Technically means you're inherently biased because it's like, hi, this, these are the people that we sell. Mm -hmm. As we scan the entire universe of 100 million influencers and then for each individual brand, we select the right people. Yeah. Then we just get in touch with them and say, hey, you match because you have the same values as this brand. Do you want to do collaboration? To which they often then go, yeah, this sounds pretty cool. Let's do this. Okay, this is a good it. match. Because um, again, from an influencer perspective, they want to make sure that they actually work with the right brand, which mm -hmm. their audience perceives as authentic. Mm -hmm. So us giving the understanding to the brand side, but also to the influencer side, just makes the conversation a lot easier. So yeah. influencers are typically like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah, and we spoke um, off kind of off um, before we started a bit about behaviors and your interest in, in behavioral science. And advertising is such an art form. And I guess one of the things which I love about the nature of um, behavior and how influencer marketing explores that and, and, and people is that um, at its core, advertising was all about creativity, and I guess the emergence of 
digital bought so much focus on performance, which is incredibly important because the metrics really, really, really matter. Um, yet it feels like we're getting back towards the kind of the behavioural and the artistic nature and the creative nature of advertising because of things like the influencer space. So what do you think is the direction of travel for, I don't know, for, yeah, for, for advertising in a digital world when it comes to the behavioural element, the human element, the, the personality element, all the, all the cool bits? Okay, so um, good question, short answer. It's becoming people-focused and humanised. Mm -hmm. So again, when we're experiencing the shift where the entire online world is going from websites, mm -hmm. right, non-human entities, mm -hmm. to people. Influence platforms, essentially. Exactly. It forces marketers to rethink what they're doing from like, oh, let's persuade people at scale through just like serving them 20 ads in a mm -hmm. row until it happens to click <laughs> one and buy one Exactly. exactly. <laughs> they have to look and play in a space where you're asking an influencer who's had a follower for say three years, mm -hmm. which is a very human and long-term relationship. If you go into that space to play, like you have to play by the rules of humans. Mm -hmm. Which brings it back to what we use called like the artistic side, which is actually just understand humans and what makes them tick. Mm -hmm. Which is like if you go back to old school art directing creativity, it was about it's always been about human behavior. If you go into most marketing conferences, everyone will secretly admit, not secretly, but admit to them being hobby psychologists because it's at the end of the day we're just trying to get people to change your behavior. Mm -hmm. And at that table, what's the balance like between behavioral science coupled with Creativity. How do you kind of pull those two together? Ooh, like the teams. One, one doesn't go without the other. In what way? So, currently, if you just have science matching, yeah, influencers and brands, they still need to do something. There needs to be creative guidance to both parties. The brand needs to understand how do we think about creative in a people context. The influencer needs to understand how do I can I think about creative in a people science context. Mm -hmm. So we're very much, everything is powered by tech and data, but then it's a little bit of art form, just layered nicely on top by people helping the creative assets. Mm -hmm. Probably 10 years from now, we will have nicely educated the world well enough to do the creative layer, so we can just be powering the tech side of things. Mm -hmm. Yet one, one does when you go without the other. Yeah, the two go together. And I know um, from seeing Julia, your um, commercial director, do a presentation, some really fascinating things just about like, whether people are looking at you in a campaign in terms of a front-on headshot versus side profile. Sounds like you found some fascinating things about what people engage with. Yeah, so the, it, if you ask the question, what is influence, you can go down deep rabbit hole, which we can do in a pub and yeah, yeah, walk yeah. through all of, the, all, all of the fun stuff. But what is influence? Actually, yeah, what is influence? Yeah. Ooh, so it depends on the person answering the question. For me, influence, I guess, is um, people listening to you and being heard and having the ability to... Yeah, have, have an influence on someone. Yeah. The yeah, and like if you start breaking that up into why do you listen to someone else? You listen to someone because you kind of respect. Respect would be my word. You, yeah, you've trust in them as yes. they've said good things to you in the past. Like we're inherently as humans trained to which people do we trust or not from behavioral signals. Yeah, from behavioral signals is for millions of years how we've evolved. So mm -hmm. the reason why we trust and listen to people. Today are the same in the cave days. It's, mm -hmm. well, I trust Ed because, well, I don't know you long, well enough, long enough for me to say that I properly trust you because yeah. I'm like a nice guy and we, we share a couple of values. Hey. Yeah. Um, but if you've consistently given me good information, you have lots of credibility because you're in the space of digital recruitment. So when it comes to recruitment, you've got authority and credibility. Yes. 
you also look me in the eye, so thank you very much for that. You do a little bit of self-disclosure, so you share the information with me, and the more information you share with me, the more I trust you. Yes. Which is a very human reciprocity thing. Yeah, so yeah. vulnerability and honesty. And exactly. So um, what we measure is, for instance, eye contact, as you mentioned. Yeah. Higher levels of eye contact means higher levels of influence. Mm-hmm. Higher levels of self-disclosure, to your point about vulnerability, the more an influencer discloses about themselves and their personal life to their audience, mm-hmm. the more the audience feels like they understand the influencer. And there's also a weird thing, which means they also feel like the influencer knows them better. Mm-hmm. And the more they feel like the influencer knows them and vice versa, the more they trust them. So the more, again, you've been trusting me with vulnerable secrets, the more mm-hmm. I'll like, okay, when Ed then recommends me something to buy, I'll go, yeah, yeah. Ed, I trust him. It's funny, I was smiling when you're talking, so I was thinking of all the people my life, my wife loves as influencers, and I just that's um, we have two kids, so it's like she loves um Tamara Eccleston. Um she's done yeah. a good program into her life, but she's like obviously she's a you know, multi-billionaire and there's in carry so there's one perception of her, but then I've seen her life and her kids and yeah. the kids sleep in her bed and so she's just that that level of I know, I, I know her and we share these things. Exactly. So if she were to put anything on any platform, I guarantee it would get bought. Yeah, yeah, like no, Aaron, if, um, if, if we could afford it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and say if uh, this uh, Ecclesaw lady in uh, your partner meets in the street, she would almost like, hey, like, oh no, she doesn't actually she know, know me. me. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, it's, it's somewhat of a weird thing, but it's also a beautiful thing. But if you look at, if I were to ask most people in modern day society, say in the UK, who do you listen to the most? And I'm asking about amount of minutes you listen to another individual. Mm-hmm. Typically, you have partner and family, mm-hmm. close family, then some colleagues and work base. But after that, typically like number three, four, five, six on that list will be a random podcaster where yeah. you're listening. Like I listen to an hour of an episode from a show every week. I don't speak to my friends an hour a week consistently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, guys, you start having like these people in both bad and good ways mm-hmm. having influence on our lives and we're building relations with these people at a rate and a level which is just unheard of. Mm-hmm. And to your, actually, it's an interesting, I'm going on to tangent, but the self-disclosure thing, there was actually quite a big divide a couple of years ago where you started having, there was lots of influencers who were being created. Mm-hmm. You started seeing bad influencers, the people who were just like polished surface life, like, hey, look at me, everything is perfect without really being humans and without being vulnerable. They were going down because it's not, no relationship is just, if I, every time I meet you, Ed, I'm like, yeah, life is great. I just bought lots of Ferraris. Life is fantastic. Yeah. You kind of like, you're a dick. You're a dick, yeah. Exactly. Um, but the people who started sharing more about themselves and just being more open and more human like relationships are, they started thriving. Mm-hmm which influencer industry comes a little bit from a back background of people who are like, ah, oh, yeah, there's lots of bad influencers, et cetera, et cetera. But naturally, those are kind of dwindling away and the good ones are sticking, just like the one your wife is listening to. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. And I know it's from profile and discussions, you want to kind of um, go and explore, which is incredible, it's how new things are built. Yeah. Um, so when coupled with um, direction of travel, what, what, so sorry to ask two questions, but what do you think is next in the influencer world yeah, I'll ask one question. I said, if we look at influence and how that's going to evolve, what, what do you think are going to be the, 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 the themes that pop up over the next few years? So I'll go, ooh, I'll go tangible and intangible. Yeah. Okay. So the very straightforward things, which is 
happening now, but we'll see a lot more of. So mm -hmm. influence has gone through, there's largely three large evolutions. The first mm -hmm. wave of evolution, which we saw, was influencers taking over media. So influencers becoming new radio channels, new TV channels. That's already happened and we're all aware of it. But what's coming hard and has been the, going on over in Asia for quite a while is influencers are becoming new retailers. Yes, I've seen this. The, the, the world's biggest retailers in about five, 10 years will be influencers just selling products through built-in shopping functionality in Amazon, Facebook, mm -hmm. Google, and Instagram. Like a really good version of the old shopping channels where something like it's a QVC on yeah. steroids, yeah. but it's because again, like hi, I followed say a hiking influencer for the last three mm. years. If they recommend me something, like I just click and buy through them and make sure they get a little piece of the pie as opposed to you have to go off to a website and then buy and it. And it's completely relevant because you'll follow, like I'm making a personal choice to follow and listen to that person. So, so, so and that's been going on with WeChat for ages, but that's coming hard. Yeah. Uh, this third one, which we started seeing a lot more of in the UK, but it's just at the cusp, is influencers creating brands themselves. Mm -hmm. The next generation of Unilever is going to be next Unilever. It's going to be Unilever built on influencers creating brands themselves. Yeah, real deeds, complete direct consumer. Correct. Yeah. Because normally, how you start a brand, you're like, ooh, I want to find an audience and I'll go and create a product mm -hmm. and then I'll create the product and then pay lots of money to find the audience and then hope that it works. Yeah. An influencer, it's expensive, it gets work. An influencer already knows their audience. Mm -hmm. They're an influencer in a particular given niche and topic because they know what they're talking about. They just create whatever product makes sense and they'll sell it off the shelves. Mm -hmm. um, and we keep seeing this left, right, and center, but suddenly the world's biggest beauty companies, which is the kind of first evolution of this, mm -hmm products over the last 10 years have been influencer creating. Yes. We're going to see this across um, not just the traditional beauty and gaming, but coming in as I follow guitar influencers. Yeah. Guitar influencers are suddenly launching their own guitar brands, their own online courses. Just next generation of products and services are influencer led. So mm -hmm. the, those are three big things happening. Mm -hmm. Then that's a slightly more tangible, slightly more intangible, which we're going to um, see in part of the evolution which we see it is people today think about influence in the context of influence marketing mm -hmm. so everyone when I say influencers everyone goes, oh yeah brands and influencers and partnerships like no influence is so much deeper influence is behavior is why we as humans do what we do mm -hmm. and what we are doing is we're bringing influence and the science of influence to not just brands but also to influencers themselves mm -hmm. and to consumers so brands obviously make sense. The better they we can match them with influencers, the better they can market and get clients to influencers. Today, they have no idea what, what works and what doesn't. They don't really know who their audience is other than top line demographics. They don't know what they care about. So again, giving it to influencers, we can actually help these guys become better mm -hmm. and make their creative outlets their full-time jobs, which would be pretty nice. Influencers, interestingly enough, and about three years from now, will be the world's largest industry in terms of people employed. Yeah, I can see. Just about because fully global. And exactly. In about ten years from now, we're talking about there's about 100 million investors today. In ten years, we're talking about probably 200, which would make it the biggest industry in the world by a factor of 10. Wow. But to do this, you kind of need to solve some problems for them. And also, the third thing, which we're giving um, our product and our science to, is consumers. Because if you think about it today, the way you discover podcasts or find YouTubers is the recommendations of friends. You're trying to 
find a way, hope that Google, YouTube other algorithms serves something which is good. But if we could actually, from an early age, understand that Ed cares about hedonism, okay, we can then start matching you, as you said. We could help you maybe understood online. We could actually help you connect with the right websites, help you connect with the right searches, the right influencers, and suddenly customize the entire online experience according to who you are and what you value. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I was alone. But short version, in the next generation of influence marketing is rolling in for media into commerce and new generation of brands. But from a perspective, which is what's going on in the wide world, influence marketing will go out of the marketing sphere and just go into everyday life of how we interact globally and digitally. As technology infiltrates so many different things from where, where it starts. Bingo. And um, one sort of bit of a side track question, I'm going back a bit. You mentioned earlier how influencer has created so well for um, you know, young young people and young brands, and the reality is we're going to get older, so that would just be the future. You know, yeah, so yeah, that, yeah. In time, we'll get older, but our habits don't change. But they do, they don't change. Yes. Um, if there are more um, traditional brands, I'm thinking like I don't know, banks or somewhere where their audience is in their fifties. Um, do you see successful influencer campaigns for traditional organisations, which are not so direct to consumer, and or where their audience is older? Or is that just somewhere where you say? This is not for you guys right right now from a like client profile for, for you. So I had a discussion with someone um, recently who, who was of older character, depends on yeah. the finds old, but he yeah. was about 60. Yeah, um, really old. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which, uh, and we were chatting about influencers and I, I quite liked it because he was quite skeptical. He's like, no, I don't, I don't follow influence. I don't really, I'm not influenced. Yeah. It's like, Okay, fair play. So what have you been buying lately? And then he bought a new car. He was a little bit of a car enthusiast. So he bought an Alfa Romeo Juliet, a yeah, yeah. fast sports car. And then I was like, okay, sweet. So what made you buy that one? And then he uh, kind of eyes looks to the side for a couple of seconds. And he goes, yeah, so that was, I watch a car review site. Or, and I was like, okay, on, on YouTube. I was like, okay. I was like, who? And then he mentioned this online YouTube <laughs> car dude. And I was like, Ah, so you follow, yeah, I've been watching his channel for a couple of years, like, oh no, have you? So you've been building up a relationship with trust with someone and then they told you to buy this car because of a great review. And he's like, yeah, and I actually didn't drive it. I just, the review was so good, so I just <laughs> bought it. Which is a little bit of mania to buy a car that expensive, yeah. but anyhow, without trying. But I was like, okay, thank you for proving my point. So the, yes, older people aren't as much on social, which means their brains haven't developed as far to their behavior to kind of match what was going on. So they're slightly harder to reach, but you still have six-year-old people buying cars on YouTube. So it's there's incredible. Not, there's not that many, but, but, but it is doable. Yeah, what's incredible about that is, um, is that there's just not even any any perception or uh, conscious of the fact they're following an influencer no. because it's so real to them, so authentic to them, but there's no, I couldn't tell the exact same story, but my, 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 my brother-in-law is 50 and he's very like avidly, not influenced by people and he's very independent sustainability is like his biggest thing and being you know away from the mainstream yeah and he started buying things because this person he was following on instagram because he doesn't have a he doesn't post anything but he just follows a few people because yeah. he really trusts them his wife um actually works in um, in marketing and she just gently points out to you do guys all these products you're buying those people you're following they are actually influencers and he's like oh, i just thought they were really good mountain climbers she's like yeah they're really good mountain climbers but they are <laughs> they are actually influencers and he was buying so many things 
without any perception that they were infants. He just thought they were you know, great cyclists or great mountain climbers yeah. or really into you know, the environment, which is true, but yeah. they were selling him stuff. Yeah, and I um, think so uh, it's, it's um, an interesting point. The word influencer has quite a negative connotation. Partly because we as humans don't like thinking that we're infants. We like to think that we have free yeah, will yeah. and yeah, do things on, and, um, on our own accord. But then you start actually digging like, well, you, you follow people. And I think there needs to be in kind of a re-understanding of what influence is to from what is possible, what's negative influence, and decide actually whoever I choose to surround myself with, either that's a workplace or people mm -hmm. on social, they have an influence on me, which means if we could get and help people to make more conscious decisions with who they follow. Yeah. So I'd encourage anyone to just go through your feed, just remove anything which isn't good, mm -hmm. and then have a think like, oh, okay, what is actually that I would want to be influenced on, which maybe it's mountaineering or whatever it is um, and I should start following because ultimately they do end up influencing you but you kind of have the choice to, to follow or not yeah and trusted advice is really important we spoke about hey, like having people you trust and people you listen to and people you feel heard by and you can like, yeah. that's, that, that's really enriching yeah. so yeah it makes sense that's been a, amazing uh, hearing about your view on influence marketing and before we finish up I guess one, one, one last thing about Taylorfy so as you're, as you're growing the future for you guys what, what do you think the, um, yeah, the future holds for Taylorfy Whew. Good question. Uh, the, so we're focused on solving the problem, which is yeah. actually understanding influence so that we can help connect the world in a better way to drive more positive influence for brands, consumers, and influencers. If we do that well enough, we would technically do what Google did to the web world websites, we will do to the social world. And we mm -hmm. end up creating a world where if we do what we do and we think we can, we can create a world where there's 100 million influencers out there being paid, which is 100 million people just doing what they love and getting paid for doing so. We can actually help brands, good brands who actually do good things in the world, be rewarded and people who do bad things, they can not, yeah. not. Um, and help consumers to actually be linked up to those people who have a positive influence on them and make decisions accordingly. So um, how far we will go into that future, that's a big question mark, but I think we're going to have a lot of fun over the next couple of years. Yeah, amazing. And one thing I was going to ask you, and we can put this as a, um, a link in all the follow-ups to the, to the podcast that goes out, is if people listening today want to get access to test for their brand or them as an individual, is there a way they can follow up yeah, to yeah. get access to, to yeah. take the test? So just uh, jump onto our website, we can probably put a link yes, somewhere, yeah, um, where you take human values tests, not a brand test, but one for you in particular. Mm -hmm. And then you do that and you get the, it takes about five, six, seven minutes, depending on how fast you're clicking. And it gives you the scores right away with a little bit of explanation of the different topics. And if you want to understand more, you can just get in touch. We'll give you a full psychoanalysis. Thank you so much for coming in. Hey, thank you very much. A big thank you to Ed and Didrik for this week's episode. We'll link the values test in the show notes and via our website, along with where you can find more about Talify. We hope you'll join us next month for another episode of Life in Digital. Bye.